Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Frank Stamfel as we have our fantasy show of quarantine once again on our show today as uh, hopefully all of you are staying safe, staying inside. And here we are back on the show today to give you a little bit of insight, a little bit of fantasy goodness, and of course, a little bit of fun as well. Frank, uh, how is everything going for you? I know it's a tough time for everybody just trying to stay sane at this point. The good news is, of course, a lot of streaming options to watch on television, some old school baseball to watch on television, and uh, maybe some simulation in our future as well. So how are you? Things are going here, Craig. Much like we spoke about uh, recently the past couple of days, a lot of shows to watch. Finally catching up on Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, probably my favorite show of all time. So get a little bit of that backstory with the uh, spinoff here with Better Call Saul. I'm far behind. I just finished season three. I believe they're up to like season five right now. So I've got some catching up to do. That's kept me busy recently. And look, before we started the show today, I told you I might actually have to look into this Japanese baseball league for real because now I'm starting to see highlights of Tyler Austin hitting home runs and just seeing home runs and baseball being played anywhere right now, regardless of fans being in the stands or not, uh, gives me hope. And it, it makes me want to watch it. So I might have to jump into this Japanese baseball league as well here. Craig, how are things going with you, man? Everything is going well. I would I would love to start off the show with some hot breaking news or some great information at some point. But let's be honest, we're kind of a little bit of a, a holding pattern, I think. Um, you're, you're starting to see some comments from different general managers and presidents. And I think as the league kind of sorts itself out, we'll start to hear that. Uh, some football news, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, but predominantly we'll start off uh, with baseball as well. And and really what a lot of people are starting to gravitate to. I, I think in this generation, it does make a lot of sense uh, to just head on over to your PS4 and and purchase uh, you know, MLB The Show. I think a lot of people are doing that. Now, I am not one of those people. Now, it has nothing to do with me being anti-video games. Of course, during this time, we're all uh, locked up in our houses, essentially, Whatever you can do to pass the time is definitely worth it. But my, my son has an Xbox, so it's been a lot of RBI baseball, which honestly doesn't really hold a candle to MLB The Show. In fact, now playing a lot of games against him and him beating me a lot, by the way. Uh, a lot of home runs. Like It is just like every at-bat is a home run. It's a completely different game than it was in 2019. And so, um, you know, Frank, I know that, you know, that's a very popular game among a lot of people. I was always very big into simulation 
uh, type baseball, and we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Frank, are are you somebody now that's spending two three hours a day, like at least a, it seems like a, a large part of the population playing MLB the show? And, and the other thing that's happened here is I'm not even sure that it's being delivered right now to a lot of people because of uh, you know some of the restrictions. But uh, either way, is that what you're doing to pass some time in terms of baseball, or are you just not into that? You know, much like Little Mish, I have an Xbox. I don't have PlayStation as well. So, yeah, I can resort to RBI Baseball if I need to get my baseball fix in. But I haven't downloaded RBI Baseball to this point. It's funny you bring up that, you know, all people are doing it is hitting home runs in the game. It's much like real baseball nowadays, I guess, in that regard. A lot more, though. A lot more. (laughs) A lot more. In fact, right now, uh, as as we're recording the show, uh, he's the Phillies and I'm the Texas Rangers. And we're locked up in a 6-6 battle here. Uh, and I think it's like in the fourth inning, but a lot of the games are like that, Frank. I think in the game that we've played uh, so far, uh, he's got a lot of home runs. Uh, Hoskins hit hit at least one home run. Uh, Todd Frazier hit one. Gallo hit one. Willie Calhoun hit one. Uh, in, in RBI 19, you could play a nine-inning game. Yeah, I mean, there could be games where there are five home runs, but there's like five home runs before the fifth inning in almost every single game that we're playing in. Maybe I got to change the settings to make it harder. Uh, right now it's on like the medium skill. That could be part of it. I'm not sure. But they created this pitching meter and a hitting meter. And essentially it's like if you're not pitching around the batters, and my son is seven, okay? So I'm not throwing like curveball slider mixes to try and strike him out. It's like, we're, you know, we're throwing it over the plate. And then you got to make a play, more or less. That's kind of how we play. And that was the way that we played in 19, and there weren't really a ton of games where the score was like 15-13. Every single game, Frank, is like that in this RBI. And so the games are taking like an hour to play, minimum. Craig, they're just raising the launch angle. That's what it comes down to. They got the new hitting coach uh, that the Miami Marlins have. They're raising the launch angle in RBI baseball. But no, I don't have a PlayStation. I have a Nintendo Switch. I have an Xbox. I don't know that I have enough room to have another video game console in my house right now. So I basically have every console except for the one that allows me to play MLB The Show. Far and away the best video video game, uh, baseball, baseball video game yeah. right now across you know all the platforms. There's no doubt about it. I texted you earlier today. I play this game tap baseball on my phone, which yep. you know actually has the rights for real players, and mm-hmm. you can kind of build your team like that. I have had a lot of fun with that. I've actually uh, probably invested like way too many hours recently than I should have in that game. Uh, but I don't have a PlayStation. I probably can't even go out and buy one or get one delivered right now, as yeah, you mentioned. I think it's hard. Yeah. So it's not going to happen with MLB The Show this year. I know next year it is, I believe, coming out That's on true. the Xbox and the Switch as well. So I'll have to wait till next year, Craig. But for now, I can resort to RBI Baseball, some some mobile platform games. Outside of that, I uh, might have to pick up some simulation baseball uh, like you're going to potentially show us here. Yeah, we're going to go through a little bit of that. And um, and look, my, my favorite one of all time was uh, was my, a game called Micro League Baseball. Now, I, Frank, this is not going before your time. This is like going double before your... This is like probably before your parents' time here. It's pretty sad. Um, so Micro League Baseball was a game that you could play on the old Apple systems. And what I did is I had what was called a Commodore 64. That was basically the unit of choice at the time. It was like the hot system to have. Apple II, I believe, was another one of them. And the way that this worked, Frank, is that uh, you got what was called a floppy disk. Are you familiar with a, a floppy disk, or is that also like foreign to? A what? A floppy yeah. disk, Craig? A, flop, yeah. a, a floppy disk, right. So uh, <laughs> disks now that they make, you probably see them are smaller. At the time, they were big. They were like bigger than a five by seven. 
And essentially, you would put this disc inside to a drive, uh, which is very similar to like as big as a DVD player now. And you would load up the game. And essentially, what Micro League Baseball did is it allowed you, uh, they would send out a disc every year with the updated players, and it allowed you to play against uh, the computer, essentially, which was it. Or you could play against somebody who was sitting in your house. That was the only other way to do it. And you got a game card, and you chose what to do before the pitch was thrown, and then the pitcher chose what to do, and you're, like, hiding your hand over the unit, you know, because you don't want to let the other person see. Um, and so that, that you could play out 162 games. There was, like, a GM's disc, a manager's disc, and then, of course, you could play with all of the legends. It got a little bit more advanced. They made a Micro League System 2, uh, Micro League Baseball 2, which I played. I didn't like as much as the first one. Uh, but what I actually did, Frank, believe it or not, was and this is going back to the 80s is that there was a a, a mail-in league which essentially was this uh there were 15 teams in the league you know what there may have been 14 because this was before the rays and it was before the marlins and it was before the rockies and the diamondbacks so come to think of it there was a lot less teams but anyway the expos were around so uh, what would happen is is that you had the rights to two teams in major league baseball you had the rights to all of the major league players all of their farm system and uh, and then and the league began. It was like a brand new dynasty league. So I had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I had the uh, San Francisco Giants, and I had the Seattle Mariners. So I had Griffey, and I, you know, a young Griffey, and I had Will Clark. Um, you know, I Kevin Mitchell when he won the MVP. I had him that year. I had Randy Johnson too. So essentially, the way that it worked, Frank, was that you would play against your opponent, but your opponent would serve as the computer. And so uh, your opponent would basically, in a letter or on a phone, tell you exactly how he wanted to play out the games before the series, and then you would play the three games, print out the scores, the box scores, and then you had seven days, once the games were over, to mail them to your opponent. And then at the end of the season, uh, we kept track as to how everybody did. And then there was a, a playoffs and there was a championship. And so, I mean, that was probably the most primitive form of fantasy baseball that I ever played. And we're talking about literally going back to like the 1980s or something like that. I mean, that's how far back it went. That's dedication, Craig. I mean, you're talking about a lot of moving parts there, uh, hiding your hand, printing things out, sending it to your opponents as well. So uh, there's a lot of dedication involved there. And we see it now. I mean, look, you're talking about running two teams, to, uh, basically, right? From like a dynasty perspective, it's hard yeah. enough to run one dynasty fantasy baseball team right now. So I give you all the credit in the world, man. That's a lot of dedication. That there. was you're a running long two time different ago, franchises. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Uh, I remember my my dad back in the day when I was a kid. I never really got into it with him, and and honestly, I probably should have in hindsight. But um, it wasn't technically stratomatic. But he would basically have his own dice game where he would kind of PBA. He would yeah, just kind of keep track of his own results, and he has uh -huh, like yeah. binders and binders full Absolutely. of just loose leaf paper where he would just keep track of games and seasons, and he would just play things out for you know forever it was i remember that that's a vivid part of my childhood i didn't really get involved because i was too busy you know you know actually playing the video game versions of, of whatever was going on uh, in terms of baseball but uh yeah i do remember back in the day him him firing up the dice and he had all of his games and teams yeah. and, and seasons and he would play these things out for a long time man so give you guys credit man there's a lot of dedication you involved. get back yeah i mean people think how did you get into it and what are the origins of it that was definitely part of it yeah i was very into apba as well 
Uh, that was basically APVA, which is still around to this day, by the way, was essentially is essentially a dice game where you put the dice in a uh, in a cup and then, you know, you shake it up and you roll it. And then based on the result, uh, you, you basically play out your game. You would roll uh, the dice for your opponent also if they're not in person. And it was essentially based on the player card. It would get determined how good the player was. And I got I got to tell you, of all the things that I can't find and I, I'm, I can't believe I can't I cannot find my old APBA. I don't think I have the game anymore, and the dice are easy to pick up. But uh, I had one full season of all of all the teams, and I think that I went through them and kept like some of the best players. But I cannot find that for the life of me. I may have to buy like a season and 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 play that out with my son, or maybe play that out. But that APB I was very into. Also, although I didn't have a league, it was just kind of like me and a bunch of buddies, and we would start up these leagues. We would never finish them. You know, because we were very young, and it was like being, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. I'd go over to my friend's house. We'd play a few. We'd try to play as many games as we could, like seven games, and then like we just wouldn't play for a couple weeks. It would be like, oh, what even happened? Do we even remember? So that was part of it. Stratomatic was also very popular at that time, um, and is still popular today. In fact, Stratomatic announced that they are going to play out the 2020 season. So that's certainly another one. Uh, out of the park baseball is very popular still to this day. And uh, that's a company that I'm going to be working with as we put together this Legends League, which we'll talk about in the coming days as well. So uh, those are a couple. Now, as far, uh, as far as another game is concerned, I wanted to show you, because I have kept one game intact for oh. about like, 90, 2000, about almost 40 years, Frank. So what I'm going to do is give you a little picture of this. So uh, first of all, we'll show the graphic here. This is what's called All-Star Baseball, right? Now, uh, this game is very simple. You would get player discs. They still make the discs to this game. And you have a home team and you have a visiting team. And essentially what you're doing is you can see on, in the picture here that you can actually spin the wheel. So uh, what it comes down to, Frank, and I'll show you, is that essentially what you do is you have the game here. I'll put it in front of me here. I don't want to lose uh, you know, some of the graphics that we have here in the background too. But what you do is you, you basically uh, pick a player out and you spin the wheel. So what I'm going to let you do here on this show is I'm going to allow you to pick one player from my, my player discs, and, uh, and I'll spin the wheel for you, and you'll tell me, and I'll tell you how you ended up doing Now, we can't do a whole inning or anything like that because it would take too long and no one's really interested in that. So I'm going sh to show you. Now, it may look backwards to you when I show you this, uh, that, and kind of for the viewers also, it may look backwards to you, but uh, these are the cards, okay? So here's your choice, Frank. I can randomly pick one, or I can give you the choice. Of, of selecting somebody to spin the wheel. Which one would you like it? Um, give me the choice. Let's see what we got. Okay. Okay. So this one, if you see this one, can you read Ooh, the name there? Dale Murphy. All right. Dale Not Murphy. Bad. Okay. Here's another one. Andre Dawson. All right. Andre pretty Dawson. good options here. You ever heard of this guy? Gary Templeton. No clue. No. <laughs> All right. Well, the, 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 let me go through some of the others here to make sure. Oh, okay. Here's a good one. Craig, I want Ellis Valentine. Come on. Yeah, I don't oh, think, Pete he, Rose. Pete Rose. Okay, he's in there. Uh, here's another one. Uh, George Brett. All right, give me Pete Rose. Pete Let's Rose. Pete okay, Rose. so here's what we're going to do. So we take, for this demonstration, what we're going to do is we're going to take um, Pete Rose. I have the card here. And we're going to put it into the game, which I'm going to put in front of me right now. And there's a little bit of a glare, so I apologize for that in this, in this thing that we're doing. Now, I put, I put in the disc. Okay, we're losing we're losing me here on the video. All right. Can you see it? Can you see it all right? Is it decent or no? Yeah, I see it. Let somewhere. me pull it. Let me let me pull the back off here. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> all right. Sorry guys. Live TV here. 
I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Okay. So, can you see your disc there with yes, Pete that's Rose? It. Pete Rose. Okay. Okay. So now what I'm going to do, now we're losing some graphics here for the background. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin the wheel for you on Pete Rose. Okay. Here we go. What do I got? You ready? You tell me when to go. Go. We need a little play-by-play, -play, Craig. 13. You got a single. There you go. Let's you go. You got a single. So there you Fat go. Fat in a thousand. Fat so in a thousand, Craig. So again, based on the number that you get, you would advance, and you'd, you know, you advance the runner, you get out, double play. There's a stealing module, too. I'm trying to think if there's any other players here that you may know. Here's, here's this guy. Ooh, Ken Griffey. I'm Senior. Down. Senior. Senior. Oh, my God. I actually own Ken Griffey Jr.'s Mariners jersey. Senior. Oh, man. Here we go. Last one. Dusty Baker. Wow. Out in left field. Manager of the Astros. There you go. Yeah. Now he's got to, uh, now he's got to so hold that's together. That's all-star baseball right there, Frank, for yeah. you. This, this goes back to the 80s. That's, this is the original game that I've had all of these years. Still have it's it. It looks like he's in pretty good condition as well. I actually researched okay. the game beforehand, and I saw a few other people's uh, ga uh, board games of the All-Star Baseball that you have there and looked a little bit beat up, but yours is actually in pretty good shape there, Craig. So I give you some credit. I say, look, for the rest of the show, we just, just play out a whole game. Why don't we just do a little play-by-play, -play and we could just have a little All-Star Baseball game here, Craig. We, we could. We could. That would be <laughs> the last show we do, but that's probably, right. that's probably uh, something that we could do. But again, there's a lot of options for you guys out there. Um, you know, all-star baseball is not exactly a simulated game. It's, it's more of a, a board type game, but just to give you an idea what my roots were in fantasy, it goes all the way back to that. I mean, 40 years of doing it. So, all right, we're off and running here on fantasy sports today. More shenanigans are coming up next. So don't go anywhere. Frank Stample, Craig Mish here on fantasy sports today on sports grid. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Some real baseball. Now, look, they're, they're, the last day or two, as a lot of people are obviously very well aware, is like the, the, the country, excuse me, not the company, the country is getting shut down essentially everywhere at this point. And so 
it was interesting that Ken Rosenthal sent the tweet out uh, over the weekend, last weekend, basically saying that, like, what is he supposed to do? Like, he reports on baseball, and if there's baseball to report, he's going to report it. You're not seeing a lot of players tweeting, saying things these days. I think that there's that line, Frank, of being sensitive and insensitive when it comes to this. I have a feeling that trend is going to continue. Um, last week, I felt like everybody just didn't know what to do with themselves. So essentially what you were seeing was a lot of quiet. And then every once in a while, players would pop off, say different things. I think that we're heading into a quiet time this week. I think it's going to be less discussion than more. And, uh, and that's unfortunate, really, for us and for everybody who's doing content. But the seriousness of it is going to other levels at this point, as it would appear, with more people testing positive for it because there's more testing. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the news cycle continues and I'm doing my best on the Marlins end to do that, but just not seeing really a lot happening because we're still just kind of waiting for anything definitive. Yeah, the headlines are few and far between right now from a baseball perspective, fantasy baseball as well. We'll try our best to, you know, find that information and deliver it to you guys here on Fantasy Sports Today. But you're right, Craig. I mean, there's, look, you work with the Marlins, obviously, and you you are very close with, you know, people in the organization. And, you know, honest, obviously, if you have anything to report there, that's something that we can discuss as well. But you're right. I mean, it's the, the, the headlines, as I mentioned, few and far between here. And we'll try to find things as best as we could. I mean, potentially uh, dive into Trevor Bauer's Sandlot game. That's something we could do. Talk about it. I, I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch it, but, you know, everyone else is being told to stay inside and avoid social gatherings. And of course, Trevor Bauer, being Trevor Bauer, decides to hold a Sandlot game that he, you know, takes all this video of and makes a huge uh, montage out of and, it's Trevor Bauer being Trevor Bauer, right? So uh, that's something that I've had a chance to look yeah. over the past couple of days. But outside of that, the Japanese baseball that we talk about a little bit here on baseball uh, on fantasy sports today with you know Tyler Austin hitting home runs and and Villanueva hitting home runs. There's really really not much else going on here, Craig. No, there there isn't. But uh, at the very least, uh, there's a couple of uh, stories that I would say are in the news cycle. Actually, three that I could give you. One I could provide you with a little bit of. Of, uh, of Marlins in sight, uh, but the other two would be around the league. The first uh, comes in from the Houston Astros, a report basically saying that uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, they're expecting him to play more in the field. More meaning what, Frank? One game? Two games? I mean, in Yahoo, that's great. He'll qualify for the whole season. and He'll be able to play wherever you want. Um, but, you know, it's kind of rare. I mean, Alvarez is, is in a unique situation, Frank, and you know, this is one of those situations since we're talking about simulation baseball in the past. I don't ever recall in watching baseball as long as I have, uh, almost 40 years, a player that just basically came into the big leagues as a DH. I, I don't think that I ever remember that. Like, Edgar Martinez kind of comes closest to that, where I believe, if you go back and look, he played some first base for a number of years. Frank Thomas played some first base for a number of years. Harold Baines... Eddie Murray, those guys played the outfield in first, and then they transitioned over to DH. But this guy's like, like they're not even waiting on this guy. Like he's just immediately a DH. Chris Davis on Oakland played outfield when he came up with Milwaukee and then went to Oakland too. I think there's a reason for that. So it's not that I'm not buying this, and certainly in a condensed season, it would seem even more unrealistic, but they're playing a 100-game season, and and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute why I think it's going to be at least that. Uh, I, I don't see this at all, Frank. If I'm drafting him and I have him in a dynasty league, I'm not planning on having any qualification at any other position except for that unfortunate utility spot. 
I would say that, you know, before all the injuries took place in, in spring training, obviously he was dealing with uh, soreness to both of his knees as a 22-year-old, which is scary enough. I don't know how, yeah. you know, after getting that report in the past couple of weeks, we've now somehow figured out that he's going to play more in the field since then. I don't know, you know, where these reports are coming from. Uh, CBS has it as Jake, Jake Kaplan of The Athletic reported but Jake's that. a very good reporter, too. And look, I mean, he's got to do his job just like I do and everybody else. I know Jake very well. Um, so it's, it's not even a knock for me on the, on the credibility of that. It's just that, you know, it's nice to say things, Frank, it's executing them. That's the other story. Yeah. yeah, That's what it comes down to, right? If this is something that the Houston Astros are actually going to look into and, you know, the main question is why, why is this something that they actually would look into outside of, you know, trying to get him at bats in national league parts and, and, you know, they're not going to play that many games in national league parks. I believe, you know, someone mentioned that if the season had started on time, uh, and he played all the games in National League parks in the outfield. He wouldn't have had outfield eligibility until around yeah. July or August Good anyway. Point. So yeah. in a shortened season, you can almost guarantee that it's basically not going to happen at this point because most leagues you need, you know, at 10 starts or some are five, some are 10. But I know in the right. NFBC, you need 10 starts at a position. Last year, he only played nine games, started nine games in the outfield in the majors. So uh, given everything that's happened with his knees, the fact that the Astros have depth in the outfield. They have Michael Brantley. They have George Springer, uh, Kyle Tucker, someone we're talking about. Josh Reddick still in the mix. I understand that they want to get Alvarez's bat in the lineup in National League parks, but frankly, I just don't know if it's something that they need to do, Craig, because even without Alvarez in the lineup, this is a really stacked lineup, and he has some, uh, you know, some history at first base in the minor leagues, but they still have Yuli Gurriel there, so... Uh, look, it's nice to report, and we have something to talk about here on the show, and a lot of people sure. are excited about Alvarez. He had 50 home runs between the minors and the majors last year, um, and if he's healthy, I think that you know he could be an awesome player. There's no doubt about it. Playing in the field, I don't think he's going to get out outfield eligibility this year. That's basically a uh, long story short. I don't think he's going to gain outfield eligibility. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see it either. And going back to something that I said, maybe people are watching and thinking, well, what are you talking about with the amount of games being played? Look, just like everybody else out there, there's nothing definitive because of what's going on. But the one thing that that seems to be a deal breaker, and again, this is not a strike, by the way, if the players choose not to play. Okay, so don't take that as a strike. But if the Major League Baseball players are going to play this season, there's going to have to be an agreement between the players and the owners that this is a full year of service time. I don't know how they're going to accomplish that. I've had some people suggest to me, well, you know, they could just play a 50-game season and then play a tournament, and that's it. That is not going to work for the owners. The owners basically, at least what has been reported, and again, this, these are some of the conversations that I have also, is that at, at least the gauntlet that they threw down, Frank, was 130 service days. So that could amount to, let's say, 110, 115 games played, no All-Star game. You know, they're not going to be able to do that. So... I mean, Frank, that's the reality of the situation. In order for the players to play, they're going to want a full year of service time. And the owners are not going to give away a year of service time for 50 games. So uh, the report that I had from, I believe it was last week, where they want to play 162, does that seem realistic? Probably not. But I got to tell you, I think they're playing the regular season, if, if this ends up happening at all, and they start, let's say, in June, deep into October. I think that they are going to attempt to get in as many games as they can. They probably will have to slash 30, 40, maybe even 50 games. 
and maybe even the, and maybe that that number that I gave you that one thirty. You know, you sit down in a room with someone and it's a negotiation, and instead of one thirty, okay, we'll take a hundred or we'll take one ten. But the notion that this thing is going to start up in August and they're going to play forty games and then there's just going to be a playoff and then all these guys are going to get to be free agents at the end of the year and all of the guys that get arbitration eligible, the owners are not going to let that happen. It's going to be a bad look. And I'm not I'm not saying the players are going to sit out by any means. I think they'll get it. All the players are going to want to play too. But Frank, I don't see a scenario where it's a very short season, uh, and and they don't have the ability to become free agents after the season. I think they would basically say, "Oh, you know what? Well, why play? You know, we'll just play the following year, right?" I mean, it's it's kind of the hard times talking about this right now with everything that's going on in uh, in the country and the world. But that's the reality of where baseball is. Yeah, and it's not a matter of playing sides either because you can almost see both sides of it, right? Because the owners, obviously, you know, they want to get a full year of service time out of the players that are under contract. But, you know, at the same time, given the circumstances, you just kind of have to play it by ear, right? Like if this is the hand that they're dealt, if we only have the ability to play 80, 100 games, whatever it might be, that's kind of what it, it is what it is, right? So whether it's playing deep into October in the regular season, you know, what are we, are we going to be playing baseball games in November, December, playoff yeah. games too? I, I mean, November, yeah. At that point, I mean, you're, you're talking about moving all potential games. What about, you know, people losing home field advantages? That's going to be something that's, you know, discussed sure. as well, where, you know, if the Yankees are in the postseason and they can't play November playoff games because of due to inclement weather or whatever it might be, then you're playing at a neutral site somewhere. I mean, that team that was, you know, the home that was supposed to have home field advantage now does not have home field advantage and it, and it completely changes everything. So you're kind of seeing some of the ripple effects here, Craig, where it's not only going to affect fantasy, obviously, but the political side of baseball as well, the fina the financial side of baseball, where this is going to have so many ripple down effects sure. from owners to players, to contracts, to the postseason, to the championship, no all-star game. There are a plenty of different factors in play here uh, that are just, you know, way beyond fantasy baseball as well. Right. And, and, you know, we're not talking about it as much because of the, of the reality that this baseball free agent class is not near what the last two were with Machado and Harper and Garrett Cole. But just imagine, Frank, sitting in Garrett Cole's shoes right now. Right. Like uh, or, you know, a good, a good name actually is Mookie Betts. Right. Like what position does Mookie Betts want to be in? Oh, I'll just go play my my uh, 40 games with the Dodgers. Then I'm not a free agent. And then I got to come back the following year and play another whole season with the Dodgers, too. I mean, the Red Sox would want to take that deal back. Right. Well, give me well, give us bets back if we could just have him for the 50 games and then we'll trade him at the end of the year. And then the Dodgers could have him in the final year of his deal. So. That's wants to get to free agency, Craig. I mean, that's what, I mean, the guy wants to get his money. I mean, what do you think he would vote for? What do you he think? Does, Exactly. Would he would he vote for not being a free agent at the end of the year? And I'll I'll just I'll, I'll play I'll play sixty games for you guys, and then I'll come back the following year in twenty twenty one, and I'll play for yeah. the Dodgers again, and There's risking no an injury. Come on, any pitcher they wouldn't go through it either. So I mean, you're right. There are two sides to it. You could understand from the owner's perspective if they're playing these games in front of no one, and which is a possibility. Let's say they start in June, June, July, August, September, October, five months. You could probably. Like if they if they start the World Series at the end of October, early November at a neutral site, let's say this all sort of happened. I mean, that's still 130, 140 games played if they played into October, 110, 120. You can get that in. But they ain't playing in front of people in June. I don't think so. That means no ticket revenue. That means no concessions revenue. And then how are the owners supposed to justify saying, yeah, you know, what, we'll just make no money this year. And let these guys be free free agents at the end of the year. It's it's a tough conversation to have for sure. Um, one of those teams projected to potentially get to the postseason this year, and who knows, given everything that's going on, is the Tampa Bay Rays. There's a report 
from the Tampa Bay Times that uh, going into what have what would have been the season, Nick Anderson would have been the closer. Okay, great. You know that's who I ended up getting in labor. Fantastic. But now that it's not, we don't know that he's going to be the closer. Look, I, I don't know to make uh, what to make of this one way or the other. But in any kind of condensed season, Frank, as we talked about on the previous show, I think saves are not a commodity that I am really going to be interested in. Expanded rosters, more pitchers. I mean, I feel like like knowing that made me feel a little bit good, thinking, yeah, great. Like, I was right to get Anderson because he's probably going to get the majority of the saves. But does that matter now at this point? They're not going to use guys three days in a row ever in a shortened season. It's going to be two days, and now you sit for a while. They're not going to risk any injury. So... Great story. I don't know that it applies anymore. Yeah, and I think the shortened season might actually favor someone like Nick Anderson in terms of his fantasy value because, as you mentioned, we're going to see record low uh, number of saves this season from a For fantasy sure. perspective. You're not going to yeah. need as many saves to compete in no that way. category, uh, in roto leagues, and head-to-head category leagues. You're just not because there's not going to be uh, as many saves available this upcoming season. We're playing a shorter season. You're just right. you're not going to need as many saves as you normally had in the past. So, I mean, part of the reason why you draft someone like Nick Anderson is, all right, even if he was only going to get you, let's say, 50% of the saves this season for the Tampa Bay Rays, you were drafting him as highly as you were because he was giving you everything else. Elite ratios last year in 21 innings with the Tampa Bay Rays, a 2.11 ERA, a 0.66 whip, uh, and a 17 strikeouts per nine. I mean, the guy was phenomenal last year. I mentioned, I've mentioned this before, his strikeout rate was second among relievers behind only Josh Hader last season. So uh, I think someone like Nick Anderson actually gets a boost in a shortened season because you're not going to need as many saves to compete, but he's actually going to contribute just as much, if not more, in the other categories, ERA, whip, and strikeouts than the other relievers that are being drafted around him right now. Yeah, I think the durable guys will have the most value. You know, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know that there's a category for durability, but certainly as we get closer, it'll probably be more important to look at which managers were more apt to using their eighth and ninth inning guys on consecutive days and sometimes even three days in a row because those are the guys that are going to really be benefited to it. But if there are closers that they're hesitant in using in back-to-back days, those guys have like no value going into the season because in a limited schedule, and, and I'll use Edwin Diaz as an example, although Callaway used Edwin Diaz a lot, but you know, hypothetically, if they went into the this, this season thinking, okay, like, we'll, we'll use Diaz on back-to-back days, but after he throws back-to-back days, he's going to sit for two days. We're not going to throw him. I mean, if the season's only 80 or 90 games or even 100, how many saves can he even get in a best-case scenario? 20 at the end of the season? Maybe. It probably brings more value and, and maybe something that we'll talk about in the coming days on, uh, on some of these setup guys. I mean, it may actually bring more value to uh, the setup guy. And you almost have to, I think, handcuff. Uh, that this season, you know, Frank, maybe one of the best things to do would be essentially uh, in fantasy this year for the closer position, team saves. You you get whoever, however many saves the team ends up getting, you know. You draft uh, the Phillies, yeah, you get Naris, but you get everybody else too, you know, <laughs> whoever ends up getting saves because, I mean, it's just a very unpredictable position for sure. I don't know. What do you think about that? Team saves? They're going too far? No, no, I think it's an interesting concept, right? And look, we're dealing with something that's never happened before, right? In terms of, you know, the entire country is dealing with it as well. But, you know, obviously, you know, our job is to kind of relate it back to fantasy baseball and figure out how things are going to change. And, you know, due to, you know, circumstances that we've never seen before, 
we might have to do things in fantasy baseball, Craig, that we've never done before. So I don't think that that is crazy to bring up the possibility of just drafting team saves. It makes our life a lot easier, Craig, because we don't have to try and figure out which one sure. guy is going to be the closer for any respective team, right? Like instead instead of trying to figure out who Gabe Kapler is going to use on a daily basis, because I, I don't know if that Gabe Kapler knows who he's going to use on a daily basis or, you know, the Seattle Mariners. These are just two right. topics we spoke about yesterday. Uh, you could just draft the team saves for that. And I've heard people actually playing that out before in fantasy football leagues where, you know, instead of having a quarterback, you just draft a team quarterback so that if your quarterback gets hurt, you get the production for whoever fills in for them as well. So I've heard about it being played out in a fantasy football league. Why is it crazy to possibly bring bring up that possibility in a fantasy baseball league as well? Yep, interesting stuff. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today right here on SportsGrid. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stample here with you on the show. We're talking some fantasy baseball. We've mixed in fantasy football over the last few days. Uh, you know, here, here, you know, Frank, it was really interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to catch this uh, over the last few nights. But, um, you know, this is going back to the music, the old school music. Uh, this, And I, I tweeted it out. I don't know if you – I don't tweet that much, so it's not really hard for you to pick out my tweets. But uh, D Nice, who was the DJ – uh, right now, uh, had this uh, inst a live Instagram. Now I don't have Instagram, so I had to like quickly sign up to get it to watch the Instagram live. But he had over a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand, watching his uh, DJ set, and it included like Dwayne Wade and uh, like athletes, uh, Carmelo Anthony, celebrities, like everybody was in there. Uh, Ellen, Oprah. And 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 was like a good distraction for like an hour. Like we'll take any of those for like an hour. So I mean, I, it doesn't mean Frank that I'm gonna go jump on the ones and twos, which is right next to me, by the way. Doesn't mean that. <laughs> doesn't mean that. But I will say that it was a good distraction for an hour last night before I went to sleep. Craig, I think that if you actually fired up your own kind of DJ session, you can get a large majority of. 
baseball folk, fantasy industry, uh, whether you do it on like a Twitter periscope, if you go on Instagram live, you make it happen. I'll watch. <laughs> like as, as You'll watch for five minutes and change it like everybody else. Well, it depends, on the, it depends on the music, Craig. I mean, if you keep me interested, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously there's a, there's a little bit of a gap here in terms of, you know, what we like. And I think we've kind of figured that out going through uh, Craig's vinyl crate where we, we were figuring out. We did. Uh, that was going to be a great segment until the <laughs> coronavirus just threw us completely off the air. Yeah, we like, might have and, to bring that shut back. down New York. Yeah, it was like, I was like, I didn't, I did not anticipate the whole world being shut down within 24 hours of me starting. Maybe that was the reason why this all happened, was me starting up the vinyl, the uh, what's in the vinyl crate. Could have been. I'm interested though. Look, if you fired up the ones and twos and you start playing a set, you know, I'll get it going here in the Stanful household. I'll get you up on the Bluetooth speaker. We'll play it out here. We'll dance a little bit. Tempting. We'll, We'll fire up some, uh, we'll get some drinks going as well. I don't know if you saw this. This is something that I saw trending on Twitter like last week as well. Okay. Uh, basically in Italy, when they're kind of, they're quarantined right now. Everyone there, they're just yeah, completely really shut down funny. in Italy. Yeah. Um, they had the video where everyone was kind of out their windows singing Rihanna together. Right. Uh, and then basically at nighttime, I saw this DJ basically fired up his whole DJ getup. He had a light show going and everybody on like their patio, like their window area was just kind of like dancing and, and drinks were flowing and they were all supporting this one guy that was playing all of his, he was just going through his set. Like he was yeah. giving everyone like a free performance on his little like patio area in Italy and everyone basically came to their window and was just partying and having fun and I, I guess that there's no other way to do it right now, right? You know, social distancing. That's it. You yeah. can't get together. There's no clubs, there's no bars, there's no restaurants right now. So we've got people in Italy firing up their DJ set uh, from their patio area and other people coming to their window and and enjoying it as well and it was actually pretty interesting i i watched it for a little bit so look craig if you want to get it going i'll support you man all right thank you man thank you listen the drastic times uh may resort to drastic measures i mean we're what spinning. was your dj name again i'm not gonna do it again all right <laughs> i gave it to you one time and then you like said the wrong name here you know dj, DJ name, mishy mish exactly that's not it so, yeah, <laughs> like, don't slander what my real DJ, like, I, I'm going to give it to you, but you can't screw that up. That's like, you know, that's like you, a very important thing. You got to get the DJ name right. This isn't like you pronouncing, uh, you know, Urias Arias or anything like that. You know, like, that's not what this is. Like, you got to get the DJ name right. It's DJ Mercury. DJ Mercury. Like All the right. Plant, like the planet. All right, DJ Mercury, let's fire it up, baby. I used to, I used to actually uh, send like letters to record companies back then, saying, "Hey, this is like DJ Mercury. Could you send me some free records?" You know, I was like broke at the time, and they would, they would, they would do it. They would send, they would send me records and like promos and all that stuff. Yeah. Where did you DJ? Did you DJ for like parties, graduations, or did you do it in like clubs, kind of? Yeah, a couple, bars clu a couple clubs, a couple clubs. Uh, at the tail end in my, I actually have a good story with that. But uh, Sarasota's where I, or Gainesville, Florida, where I went to school was like the first place that I did it. But it wasn't for anything major, it was just for friends. Sarasota, I did clubs. Miami, I did some clubs too. Um, and then, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Then uh, one of my crazier experiences was back in the day, again, before, and I don't, don't want to say, but this is before the internet. I think the internet was going on at that time. But it was basically a, what was called a pirate radio station which was essentially, and I don't know how they did it, probably now it's very easy to do, 
but somebody just got control of like an AM signal, right? Which was like illegal to do. You can't like broadcast illegally. Now, who even knows? On the internet, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but back then it was like a real secretive type thing. So I sent a demo in to the pirate radio station. It was a rap station, hip hop station that I used. And it was only like on at night, you know, like, I don't know. And they listened to it and they were like, they called me. They're like, yeah, do you want to come in and play for like a couple hours or whatever? So I was like, all right. So, uh, you know, I told my parents at the time, I think it was in high school. And I'm like, yeah, I got invited to do this, whatever. They're like, okay. They're like, great, but we're going to take you there. I'm like, because the address was like a part of Miami where, you know, may not want to, may not want to go. So it's in some big building on like the top floor and I get there and I get in there and it was, it was uh, interesting to, to see what was happening there. There may have been some, you know, guys hanging out, let's just say, you know, doing different <laughs> things. And I, and, uh, and, and you, you like have this vision that this, that you're going into like a, this is before I knew what radio stations were, I wasn't working at radio stations, but you have this vision that it's going to, that the pirate radio station is going to be like all glitz and glitz. It was literally like an office with a room and the two turntables were there and like an on button that when you were ready to broadcast, you hit the on button. So I had my crate, I brought it in, I did my set, I played for, I don't what didn't go as, nearly as long as I thought, like 30, 40 minutes, but as soon as it was done, I got out of there and I never went back, that was it. I actually was a DJ too at a roller skating rink. This is true as well. Ooh. I was a roller skating rink DJ also <laughs> in Miami. Absolutely true. The guy, I got fired from there. You want to hear that story? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you kind of set it up. Now. I got, I got fired from that, from, from there. So, uh, I was a DJ at a, uh, at some, it was called, was it called Miami ice? I don't remember. Oh man. I don't remember where it was, but it was in North <laughs> Miami. It was in North Miami. And remember, I'm just like a hip hop rap R and B type DJ. And the owner was like, he like hated that kind of music, but you know, every time that kind of music came on, that was when you could, like, the people at the roller skating rink were really, uh, they're really into it. Maybe in an ice skating rink. I don't know. Roller skating, ice skating, I can't remember. I think it was an ice skating rink. Anyway, they were so into it at that time. And he threatened me and he said, if you play, uh, if you do a whole set again for the, for the two hours that you're here and you play all hip-hop, rap, R&B, and again, I didn't play anything cursing, bad words, none of that. It was all just, like, uppity stuff. If you do it again, this is your last day here. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I went in, I start playing it. I'm playing all the rap. I'm playing all the rap, whatever, like uh, hip hop songs. Like this is like, uh, you know, you know, fast songs, slow songs. And then he comes in, and he's got he's got a record in his hand, or it was a CD. I don't know what it was. And he hits stop on my thing. He puts on Hootie and the Blowfish, and he like, you're fired. <laughs> True story. Oh, man. Hootie and the Blowfish, man. You sure that guy wasn't related to Greg Sussman? <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish. He put on, and then you could see, and, and you, you could imagine this. So my music is going, and he hits the stop button, and then you could imagine what everybody does at the rink, right? They you turn and look up at they're you. All, yeah. They're like looking at me. I'm like, all right. And that was it. And I, I took my stuff. I went out, and I and I was fired. I just I disobeyed the rules there, Frank. Ah, DJ Mercury, man. You were testing your boss. Tales of the DJ Mercury stories, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the next segment, Tales of DJ Mercury. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't sound like you did anything wrong, right? I mean, if that's what people I wanted to hear. I didn't have Hootie and the Blowfish on my playlist. 
And, and this is when, by the way, Hootie and the Blowfish was huge. So you know that. Well, the era was like uh, '90s. You know, like, like, only one of it. That's what it was. Like, yeah. Like, and then, and and you know what he did too? As soon as he put that on, like he was grooving. You know, like he was like, oh, this is this is what everybody wants to hear. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, I'm done. This and guy had the, to be related to Greg. There's, there's and then no the owner, the own like after like it must have been the next day. The owner calls this woman, and she says, "Yeah, what 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 happened? I heard that uh, you didn't want to play like the music." I'm like, "Listen, it's it's you know it's young kids that are in there. It's you know there's nothing wrong with with rock music and pop music and Spin Doctors and Hootie and the Blowfish, and uh, and all that stuff. You know, is that." Uh, blues traveler like this is what he wanted you know i'm like there's, there's nothing wrong with all those groups they're great but this is in north miami like the clientele that you guys that are having coming to this thing uh, you know maybe have a special night for that but they want to dance and they want to you know uh, and she's like oh you're right you know I, you know you just should have just said that to him and he's like, why don't you come back we'll all sit down we'll work it out i'm like nah you know i don't know i don't i don't really think it's for me i never went back after that point I did get my paycheck in the mail. They did pay me. They did pay me for my time. It's probably like Craig. thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. <laughs> well, it sounds like they enjoyed it, right? And I could see why, you know, playing hip hop and you know, uh, kind of music like that would, you know, get people up and moving and and, and grooving around, right, on the ice skating rink. So, uh, look, I, it sounds like you weren't doing anything wrong. This guy clearly had, uh, you know, his hootie and the blowfish agenda I mean, that he needed to get out there and. What? And, and, what and by the way, I like Hootie and the Blowfish. I have nothing against Hootie and the Blowfish at all. <laughs> and, and and you know what? Thinking back on it, if I wasn't as stubborn, I probably would have included it in the set. I, I think the truth was, like, the pay was so little. I think I was just doing it, like, on the side. I may have been, like, home from college or something. I don't even remember what the scenario was, but I just remembered going in and just being like, look, if, if I can't practice... I think it was more practice for me, thinking back on it. Like, if I can't do the set that I want to do then what's the point of this? Like, it wasn't even really about the money. I think it was just more of me, like, practicing. In fact, now that I think about it, the pirate radio station, they came to listen to me at the at the rink. <laughs> they did. It's this, all coming together now. It, now they came to listen. Yeah, this is not the Hootie and the Blowfish night. No, but was, no. But, but a different night, they came to listen. They're like, yeah, you got it. You come in. Yeah, I, I thought I sent in a demo, but now it's, like, all coming back to me now. They actually came in listened to my set at the rink and thought, okay, he's good enough to play for this pirate radio station in, in North Miami Beach on the 17th floor, 20th floor, whatever it was. Is that but what my, you wanted to do originally? Did you want to be like a, a DJ for like a like a uh, hip-hop station? Um, Is this what you wanted to do? Not, re not really. I never, I, I always wanted to be in sports and I, you know, I thought, I thought I'd be in like play-by-play, -play, uh, whether it's television or radio. I mean, television was really my thing for almost 15 years. So I, I thought that, that was more the direction that I want to go. But I always had that uh, infatuation with DJing and with like mixing beats together and matching beats and bars and you know, scratching a little bit too. But like I always had, like I thought that it was just so fascinating to me to hear two different songs. And now it's so trivial because you can match them up now. Like most people, Frank, they don't even use records anymore. They just, they, they use records, but they're, they're digital records essentially. So you just you know, punch it up in the computer, whatever you want to hear, and then that becomes the record. And so, and and you can hit a mix, you know, track, and it just basically automatically mixes together. When I was doing it, we didn't have that. So essentially, you're listening in one ear, 
and and the song is playing in the other and you're waiting for the right moment to bring the track in mm-hmm. and have it mixed at the same time. I mean, for anybody who's a DJ out there, they're like, this is the most trivial conversation because everybody knows it. But for people who don't know, that's the deal. So I always found that fascinating and I always wanted to like build my own like 10 to 15, 20 record set where every beat was like the same and it was just so smooth and that's what I would do and that's what I would practice. And I've always had that. Like that was something that I've always... Been in fact, but as far as a career out of it, now it's a huge career for a lot of these guys who are playing this. I never thought it would ever come to that, but for me, I, I always thought it would just be a hobby and nothing yeah. more. Yeah. Look, as trivial as trivial as you say it might be, you know, I've tried to get into it a little bit in terms of you know just the basics, right, of DJing, and it's at first it's hard, man. Like it, it, it while you say it's like you know for people who are DJs, like it's you know it's something that's so basic. Uh, to talk about like it is tough you know if you're just trying to get into it but are you one of these like former djs craig that you look at the guys now that are making like billions of dollars or millions whatever it might be that are just kind of like pressing buttons are you one of those guys that like all they do Uh, nowadays is press buttons uh, not not really but i do recognize the difference between somebody who's doing that and somebody who's actually using real vinyl but a lot of people do not use real vinyl like i think 90 percent of the maybe 80 percent of djs just go digital style and you know and i have a digital mixer too i have one that i hook up uh right to my laptop you can't see it but i have two speakers that are next to me and i can just go back and forth back and forth digital punch 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 and just do it for two three hours and and have a great time but i do have a full setup and rig with two you know turntables a mixer speakers and uh and the whole thing there the uh the ending of the story is actually the beginning because i only repurchased two turntables about four years ago. Um, what happened was after I graduated from college and was like moving around and doing real work, like we're sort of doing right now, which is, I don't really call it real work. Uh, I was working on a television show and the editor of my television show at the time, I was working for Fox Sports Florida and he was about five years in and uh, we had to cut him from working on the television show because we were going to bring in our own editors and our own editing system. We outsourced it. And so he was going to lose, you know, potentially a lot of money. And uh, I hadn't used the turntables in a long time. And I gave them to him. And it pained me for a long time. But as like a going away, I'm like, look, I'm really sorry, but here you go. And about two years ago, I reached back out to him. He's like, yep, I still have them. And they still work great. Technique 1200s. That's like the standard uh, turntable. But yeah, so uh, a few years ago, I went back and I bought everything all over again. And I started all over again. And so I don't play them nearly as much as I used to, but... I feel like we may have some time to get back into it now. Over the it all two. it all comes full circle there, Craig. I mean, look, there you I, go. I just booked my DJ for uh, for my wedding. I could still cancel, you know, if I could get DJ Mercury at, at DJ a Mercury, discounted price. Very busy. Something very busy. I might have to look into. I gotta check my schedule. Very very busy. <laughs> so there you go. Untold stories from DJ Mercury in the uh, final segment here on Fantasy Sports today. I hope you guys keep safe. I hope you guys stay home. Practice good uh, hand washing and take care of your loved ones. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Sports Today. Who knows what we will discuss on the next episode. For my co-host, Frank Stample, I am Craig Mish. Hopefully, you guys can enjoy uh, the rest of your day or night whenever you're watching this over on SportsGrid, YouTube, Zumo TV, Pluto TV, and Stir, and soon to be in some other places as well. Have a great day or a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.